welcome to the Evidence Informed Teaching Podcast. Are you a teacher wanting to improve your classroom practice and deliver excellent teaching through access to research? Do you have a passion for teaching and are looking to connect with other like-minded colleagues through professional discussions? The Charter College has partnered with TeacherTap to support teachers to deliver excellent teaching through access to research and we invite you to be part of this community. On this podcast you will hear from fellow teachers, research experts and you have the opportunity to be part of this professional discussion. You can find out more about the Charter College of Teaching and TeacherTap in the show notes and if you find this episode helpful why not share it with a teacher friend take a screenshot and post it on your social media or even better leave us a five-star written review Welcome to the first in our two-part series, an amazing interview with Josh Goodrich. He is the founder and CEO of StepLab, an organisation that supports schools to implement effective instructional coaching. He's the UK's leading thinker and writer on instructional coaching and is driven by the belief that teacher coaching can develop great teachers and, in turn, transform the life chances of students. Josh has previously worked as an English teacher, school leader and teaching and learning lead for a group of 50 high deprivation schools across the UK and he's currently serving as the deputy principal of a school in London. Make sure that you have subscribed or you are following the show so that you can get notification of the second part in this really interesting interview. I'm Kat Scutt, Director of Education and Research at the Chartered College of Teaching, and it's my real privilege today to have a chance to talk with Josh Goodrich, who is the founder and CEO of StepLab, uh, but also somehow manages to combine that with being Deputy Head at AIM North London. I could give him a uh, hugely gushing introduction, but I think it'll be more helpful for me to hand over and hear a little bit from you, Josh, about your role, about StepLab and your background, how, how you got to, uh, to where you are now and what you're doing with StepLab, as well as being a Deputy Head. I'm an English teacher. Uh, by by kind of by trade. I've been a teacher for uh, about 14 years, 13, 14 years. After a while of, uh, you know, just teaching English, I moved into teacher education. So I've been, you know, in, in various guises as a teacher educator at numerous schools, started off as an ITT lead at a school called the London Academy, and then became a head of teaching and learning at a school called Oasis Academy Southbank, led teaching and learning across the Oasis Trust for, for a few years, and then left uh, all, all that time, you know, believed in the power of instructional coaching and tried really hard to make it work at increasing scale. So first at a school and then across an entire really large trust of 50 schools, found it really difficult to do. And so StepLab, which is an instru- a, a platform that helps schools to run instructional coaching, that kind of came out of my time leading teaching and learning. And then two and a half years ago now, I left the classroom for a bit completely to, to focus on founding StepLab. But really missed it. So perhaps slightly foolishly, I moved back into being a deputy head part time. Important to say, otherwise I would be going completely bonkers. But moved back into part time deputy headship in September, which is uh, which explains my role as the leading teaching and learning as the deputy principal of AIM North London as well. Fantastic, and, and no doubt keeping you um, very, very busy. But I think I can absolutely see the the benefit of of having that chance to combine what you're doing with being in the classroom, because it's so easy to feel. I certainly feel it after. Uh, even just a, a few years away from the classroom, that you you feel a little bit removed. And of course, we know in theory all of the challenges that people face in school, but it isn't quite the same if you're not there facing it yourself every day. So, um, absolutely respect what you're you're doing there. Fantastic. 
also great that you're an English teacher. I was a, a secondary English teacher. I feel like we've got a bit of an English teacher revolution going on at the moment. There was a point when it was all physics teachers, I think. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the English teachers uh, now. So that's great. Let's talk a little bit then about instructional coaching, because this is something that, you know, some people would say probably has, has existed in schools for a, a long time. But perhaps we've become much clearer in the last few years about defining it, about the terms, certainly the terms were not things that were in commonplace use in, in schools um, not so long ago, but also there can still be a little bit of confusion around what is meant by instructional coaching. I've occasionally heard people talking about doing instructional coaching with their sick formers, for example, thinking that it refers to the idea of being kind of quite instructive in your coaching rather to, than, than the idea that, of course, it's a coaching around instruction. So um, it would be, be great to, uh, I guess, just hear a little bit about what... Uh, what instructional coaching is for you, why you think it's so important and where it's really come from in the last few years. So, yeah, I mean, like you, I think that there's a slightly like problematic bit of buzzwordiness about instructional coaching, which is like, you know, it's quite, you know, it's quite a popular term if you spend a bit of time on Twitter at the moment. But you're right also that, you know, what it is has been around, you know, fundamentally since teachers started learning to teach, you know, it's just like, it, it's an effective way of helping teachers or any professional to get better at their job. It involves someone watching you in practice, uh, looking at how you're performing and helping you to think about a specific way you can do your job better, trying to make that specific way as precise and granular as possible, because we know that change for any professional is really difficult, but it's especially difficult for teachers because of how uh, cognitively overwhelming, like cognitively overloading it is to be a teacher. So watching someone in practice, looking at how they can change, making that change really small, and then out of the classroom, helping them to make that change in a feedback meeting through including some kind of what we call key mechanisms. So we will help teachers to make a specific change through modeling. The research tells us is an important way of helping teachers to conceptualize what a change will look like in their context. We will help them to make that change through um, some planning, uh, or, or also called implementation planning, which is where we take uh, we help the teacher to plan the change in their own context. So in a lesson plan, they're going to be teaching specifically when they're going to do it. And then through working with the teacher to rehearse that change in context too. So to like to summarize, watch someone in practice, help them to see what they can be doing even better, break that thing down into a tiny achievable component, and then help the person to achieve it through modeling, through implementation planning, and through rehearsal that's what I would say in a nutshell instructional coaching is and like that's essentially the same as what mentoring is right but we can call it lots of different things but it's basically helping someone to change in a way that's easy and efficient that's really helpful I think you're right that kind of uh, discussions around terminology around coaching versus mentoring and things like that often um, quite rightly are, are an important part of conversations around this because there are differences between the different ways that we might approach this and, and actually historically when we talked about kind of mentoring versus coaching often coaching was seen as this almost kind of the kind of business coaching approach that is the kind of letting people figure them things out for themselves kind of approach, which is actually very different, of course, to the idea of instructional coaching. And, and I guess sometimes the analogy I've used is that instructional coaching is, is almost more like sports coaching, where you are really picking out something, a quite sort of specific skills. You're not just going to like, let, let, how did you feel about that football match? You know, you're, you're helping people to really pick up a really specific area and to practice it and practice it and practice it until it becomes automatic and you're then able to to kind of do that much more simply as part of this incredibly complex routine that is teaching in, in the way that, you know, a sports person would be able to as, as part of a match, for example. Um, so, yeah, great, great to hear about how, how that's developed. And then 
where did Step Lab come from? When wh where did you recognise this kind of need for a tool to support schools with instructional coaching? It came from my struggles at trying to make instructional coaching work at yeah at like firstly at quite a small scale and then at larger and larger scale. So I I briefly went to Thailand to teach English in an international a British international school for a little bit uh, of time, and then I came back to my first kind of like whole school leadership role, which was as assistant head teacher of um of oasis academy south bank i spent some time when i was in thailand reading about most effective pd structures and i read about instructional coaching having obviously experienced being coached by various effective leaders at times in my teaching career and when i had the kind of responsibility of helping other teachers to get better i knew that there, this was the, there's this way of helping teachers to improve that i really wanted to do myself you know, as opposed to some of the le kind of less effective forms of, of PD, which I also, you know, was ex had experienced, like sitting in the back of a hall while someone does like this one shot whole group PD, which didn't always work so well for me. So I wanted to make instructional coaching work. It had worked well for me in the past. But when I actually tried to do it at South Bank, you know, it kind of fell flat on its face, certainly at first. To give you a bit of context, South Bank had lots of really fantastic teachers so it had a ton of staff which really knew who really knew how to teach well um it wasn't like a school with lots and lots of novices but when i set up a coaching structure had all these people visiting each other's lessons and coaching i found that the quality of coaching even with expert teachers coaching each other or expert teachers coaching slightly more novice teachers the, the quality of the coaching wasn't great so I set about trying to solve that problem. Every teacher at the time, I got everyone a copy of like the book Teach Like a Champion. And Teach Like a Champion breaks teaching and learning down into, I can't remember how many, I'm just looking at my bookshelf. I can't remember how many strategies, something like 60 strategies, which it breaks teaching down into with all with a name. And I was like, right guys, just use this. Use this to coach each other. Make sure you're setting a technique either from this book or that it's as good as the technique from this book. But actually, I found that it didn't do all that much to make the coaching particularly good quality. Coaches were saying uh, to teachers, well, like, you know, I think you need to be doing cold call. And the teacher would say, OK, great. Yeah, I'll have give that a go. And actually, it wasn't really making it didn't seem to be making a change in teachers lessons. I thought that was for two reasons. One, I didn't think that the way Teach Like a Champion splits up teaching and learning is actually granular enough. Uh, Kat, you and I have probably both in our in our past teaching career been asked to do something like do cold call when we weren't already doing it and then gone to our classroom and you know you just don't do it because your head gets full of trying to survive the lesson as it were one of the issues I thought was that I needed to basically break teaching down into much much more granular components than even than teach like a champion which at the time was the best attempt to break teaching down into granular components that I knew of so the first thing I did is I, I, I took firstly that book and then lots of other, you know, key texts, you know, like, for example, Rose and Shine. I looked at making every lesson count. I looked at, you know, like, like quite a lot of the research on effective teaching. And I started to write a much more granular, basically, list of what effective teachers did. Um, and it ended up being, I think there were around about 800 very specific, uh, like tiny micro actions on it, broken down into key areas. And I basically ring bound it, hung it on a hook in teachers' classrooms. And then when coaches came in, they would flick through this booklet and use it to set a really granular target. 
so that's fundamentally what what in, initially what Stellab was was just this kind of um, glossary uh, which hung in teachers' lessons, and it, it kind of you know it's basically built from there. Amazing, uh, really, really interesting to hear the the sort of development of that and. I'm going to just jump on a minute, something that you you said there talking about kind of, um, you know, the the sort of scale from sort of novice to more expert teachers, because this is something that actually it's one of the, the debate questions people can choose to answer as part of the Charter College's Certificate in Evidence-Informed Practice, which is a, an online uh, unit that we offer around evidence engagement. And at the end, people choose a topic they want to focus on. So they, there, are, there are questions like, is education technology the, the future for education? There's questions like how, how relevant is cognitive science for classroom practice? All these kinds of things where they look at the evidence and link that to their own experiences and practices. And one of the questions is this one around, is instructional coaching um, useful for teachers at all career stages? Because at the moment, I think, you know, we do associate it quite a lot with relatively novice teachers. There's been a huge growth of, of this use, particularly in things like the early career framework, training and approaches, um, also in in teacher training, but really interested in your in your thoughts in, in terms of how that might be useful. Is it useful for teachers at later career stages? Um, how do we get buy-in to make it not feel like it's something that's just for, for novice teachers or for those who are in some way sort of failing or struggling? It's a, it's a great question. I think it's really important to split apart two elements of what instructional coaching is. And I'm going to call the first one diagnosis, and I'm going to call the second one implementation. So diagnosis, i.e. working out what a teacher can do better in their classroom, is necessarily pretty different for an ex for a novice and a more expert teacher. I think for a novice, when you're mentoring an ITT, you know, one of the features of being an ITT or, you know, or an early career teacher in any way is that you don't know what you're doing wrong. In fact, like there's some re good research that shows us that novice teachers mental models of classroom practice is so limited that they rate that they are not able to determine what what the difference is between good and bad you know effective or less effective teaching will often look at some less effective teaching and think it's effective and vice versa and in addition not know what to look at in the classroom either so you know aren't able to look at their own teaching practice look at a video of their own teaching and be like oh there's a problem there they're just as likely to like look at some completely irrelevant aspects of the classroom so what does that tell us? Well, when we're diagnosing or when we're helping the process of diagnosis for a novice, we need to be quite directive. So we, we basically need to be like, well, look, <laughs> I've got an ex a mental model akin to what an expert has. I can look at your classroom and make effective decisions about what you can do better. You can't. So I'm going to help you to diagnose what's wrong and basically point you in the right direction there. Now, when we're working with more expert teacher, well, one, they do have, um, you know, deep, accurate, wide mental models about what's going on in their classroom. They do know how to look at their classroom practice and determine what matters. Therefore, we do not need always to be really directive about what they need to work on. That said, with a real caveat, because I have taught a lot of years and, you know, would describe myself in certain circumstances as expert. Like there's some things we know about expert practice in teaching. One is that it's really domain specific. So I'm an expert English teacher, but I'm especially expert at teaching Macbeth. And maybe let's say that I prefer younger students. I really like year seven to nine. That's just that's just my wheelhouse. I, I like I now put me in at teaching Spanish to year twelves. I'm not an expert anymore. It, it, it's likely that I would require slightly more directive diagno diagnostic help 
in a situation where, where I felt less expert. So I'd say even with an expert teacher, we do need to be cautious about just saying to them, oh, well, you can diagnose yourself. Like I think anyone can have a bad day or anyone can feel a bit swamped by what's going on in their classroom. But, you know, but as a rule of thumb, we can say novices require more directive diagnostic support, less expert teachers you know, we do need to be a bit more diagnostic. Come back next week for the second part of this interview with Josh Goodrich, where he talks about how to implement instructional coaching. If you have enjoyed today's episode and would like to access more research evidence for your classroom, you can join the Charter College of Teaching for as little as one ninety six per month at www.chartered.college. And remember to download TeacherTap free from your app or Play Store to share your views, opinions and experiences from the classroom. Every voice makes the picture clearer.